Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. The person that we're going to have share with us this morning, if you've been coming here for a while, she's no stranger to you. She's been with us many times. She kind of considers this her home church, although we're awfully honored to have her say that because really she spends most of her time throughout the nation and around the world ministering about what God is doing in a very special part of the world called Calcutta, India. In 1954, she and her husband Mark went there for a one-year assignment. That was 63 years ago. They've done 63 one-year assignments. But Mark went to be with Jesus back in, uh, I don't know, it was 1988 or 89. And Hulda has continued on the mission that God laid upon their heart. They, they feed 25,000 children every day. They have a hospital in Calcutta, India. They have a huge, beautiful church that reaches out and has planted hundreds of other churches in the area. It's an unbelievable experience to go there. Carrie and I have been there, and it is such a joy for me to welcome one of my heroes of the faith, Sister Hulda Buntain. Would you give a very warm welcome to our dear sister this morning? Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. I always love to be with Pastor Jim and Sherry, and I do tell everybody that this is my home church and Pastor Jim is my pastor, but I'm a very poor member. <laughs> I don't come very often, but it's wonderful to be here this morning. I don't know how much you know about India. But India is now the largest democracy in the world and has over one billion people, soon will be larger than China. But India has improved tremendously because of technology. But it still is a country with low caste people, thousands and thousands of poor people living on the streets. I remember when we first went to Calcutta, they said, you can't educate a low caste child. They don't have the ability to learn. But aren't you glad this morning that God is no respecter of persons? I walk into our hospital and into our schools, and I see doctors and nurses I see teachers, pastors from low-caste families. Over the years, thank God, they've been educated in our schools, in our Bible schools, and today they are working for God in our mission. But what to tell you about Calcutta this morning? Only nine miles long and four miles wide with 22 million people. Visitors that come to see us say wall-to-wall -wall people. 
the poverty. I remember when we first went to Calcutta and had tent services. A beggar walked into our tent. And in the middle of Mark's message, he screamed out these words, Preacher, feed our bellies and then tell us that there's a God in heaven. A little girl fainted in one of our first classrooms. Mark went, rushed her to a city hospital, two in the bed, two under the bed. Came home with tears in his eyes, said, I will not only educate these children, but I'll feed them and medically treat them. Well, you'll be surprised that we really didn't want to go to Calcutta We didn't want to go to India. Mark had just returned from the Orient. He had spent six months in evangelistic meetings. Fifteen months later, we received the invitation to go to India for only one year. I sometimes wonder how it has turned out to as many years as it has. But God had different plans for our lives. But you know, there's one scripture in God's word, and I love it this morning. When I speak at churches on the weekends, I always, always say the scripture. Proverbs 3.27, withhold not good from them who deserve it when it is in the power of your hand to do it. You know, many people think it's in the missionary's hand. But it's not. The results in Calcutta today is only because churches like yours, missionary giving churches, missionary giving pastors, have given and given and given. And we have the buildings and the operation that we have today. Well, we went by boat. You know, in those days, missionaries went by boat. First class, second class, missionary class. (laughs) It took us two months, uh, two ships and three months to get to Calcutta. But I remember getting off that ship, October 1954. I said, Mark, what can a young couple do in this poverty congested city and i remember what he said we can't but god can started in a tent bare piece of ground night after night night after night but god worked many many came to the tent services and then we moved to an upstairs auditorium and they laughed at us too because there was a nightclub underneath. They said, hell downstairs, heaven upstairs. (laughs) And it was. It was time to build a church. No church had been built in Calcutta in 100 years. Only property available was the property where we'd held the tent services, owned by a Muslim family, and they weren't going to sell. But again, God answered prayer. One day that old Muslim man said to Mark, I don't know why I'm doing this, preacher, but I'm going to sell you the land. In 1959, Christmas Sunday, the first church was built in Calcutta in 100 years. And it was the Assembly of God Church. But you know, that church got too small. We built a school, it got too small. Everything got too small. Time to 
build again. We searched for property. Nothing available in that congested city. We even searched and maybe could tear down a building. Nothing available. But one day, Mark came home so excited. He said, I found the land. I said, found the land? He said, yes, four blocks square. I said, where is that? He said, it's on the main street of Calcutta. I said, impossible. We've searched the main streets. He said, no. And then he said, it's an old cemetery. I said, a what? <laughs> Mark, do you think that the burial board will allow you to build what you want to build on a cemetery? He said, the British are all gone. There are no graves there. Kids are using it as a soccer field. Well, when God told Mark something, nothing changed his mind. And sure enough, our services in Calcutta today are over. God has certainly worked in a marvelous way. You know, every state in India has a different language. They come to Calcutta to work. We did a survey of the most important languages. And today in Calcutta, in eight different languages, over 5,000 people worshiped and praised God in our church, our main churches in Calcutta today. Oh, I tell you, I was back in Calcutta. I just came home in April, and I was at these language congregations, growing, growing, growing. Not counting the branch churches we have in Calcutta, or all the churches that we have now in the 11 states. As our ministry grew, we saw the states, five states around us, unreached by the gospel. We knew it was Bible schools were the answers. And today, in five states surrounding Calcutta, including our state of West Bengal, we have a 1,000 churches on the seven states of East India. Uh, Mark went up to East India, and in the East India in those seven states, we have over 500 churches. Oh, it's just wonderful to see what God has done. But you know, as we started to work in Calcutta, James chapter 2 became alive to us. How can you tell anyone God loves them when they have nothing to eat, no clothes to wear, no comforts of this life? We started in a school, just 230 children. You know, they called us the slum school. Why? Because we took poor children. But you know what a different story it was a few years ago when we had the 50th anniversary of our school. The governor was our chief guest. And you know what he said? He said, the Assembly of God Church School has changed the face of Calcutta. What does he mean? He meant that we took poor children. And now when I go back to Calcutta, they have the alumni. Thousands come. I realize that God helped us to build that first school. And now in the 11 states that we're working in, we have 32,000 children in school. And you know, those children, I call them little evangelists because they bring their parents to, 
to um, uh, church. You know, parents are the same around the world. You do something for their children. They are interested in you. And through our school, it's been a marvelous arm of evangelism. And then hunger. I can't tell you today the hunger. In April, I stood in the feeding lines. I couldn't believe it. They get longer and longer. Technology has improved, true. But the poor, Calcutta remains 87% slums. How to feed 25,000 a day in our street and school feeding programs. That's a big family, isn't it? On the book table at the back, I have a wonderful lady that travels with me, Nancy Gibson. She'll be at the back table. I have two books. One is Woman of Courage, and the other is Pathway to the Impossible. The books sell for $15 each, but you know, $15 feeds a child for 15 days. And I ask you, dear ones, don't only read the book, but pray for the family that you're feeding. Because everything we do, whether we feed, educate, or medically treat, it is for one purpose alone, and that is to win that family for Jesus Christ. You know, medically treating our hospital, what to tell you today? The newest um, ministry of our hospital is clinics in the rural areas around Calcutta. Our nursing school is such a great blessing to our hospital. In fact, the majority of our nurses in our hospital today are graduates from our own nursing school. When other hospitals are struggling for nurses, I thank God for our nursing school. These clinics in the villages where we couldn't build a church, we couldn't even build a Christian school, they're so hostile to the gospel in their Hinduism. Do you know? We build clinics. And what do you know? When we get the favor of the villagers, the doctor's desk, doctor's table becomes the pastor's pulpit, and we have church. And God is blessing those village clinics, and our nursing school students go out every single day on the buses. So many of them go and witness to those precious people. How wonderful it is. But you know, we have a blind school. When I saw the blind in Calcutta, I thought, oh God, give me a blind school. And you know, we have 200 children now in our blind school. I love to hear them sing, Jesus loves me. Nobody loves them. For in their reincarnation, they, you know what happens? They believe the curse goes down from generation to generation. And I tell you this because in these villages where we have our clinics, we have so many blind children. Bring them into Calcutta. 
I've took five of them to the hospital for operation. I said to the doctor, will they see? She said, some better than others. When those bandages were taken off the eyes, they looked up at the lights. Hindi light is butty, butty, butty. And that day we sang their favorite song, Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. Oh, what a thrill it was. You know, those clinics have been such a blessing. I walked into our hospital. You know, cleft palates is one of our chiefest surgeries in Calcutta. One out of every 700 children are born with a cleft palate. I walked into the hospital ward, 30 children were to be operated on the next day. I saw mother crying. Sat down beside her, put my arm around her. And all she did was this. I looked down, I saw a child. Uh, I'd never seen a deformed face like that. Teeth coming out of their cheek, her little cheek. I said, mother, I knew she was from one of those clinics. Mother, tomorrow it'll all be a different story. That little girl will be wheeled out of the hospital looking beautiful. And she did. Kept her a few days longer for dental work. And then I said, Mother, I knew she had been witnessed by our five chaplains. Mother, go back to that, your clinic. And tell those people what Jesus has done for you. You know, the next Sunday, the clinic was packed. The curse was lifted from that dear mother and that family because Jesus had come into their lives. Oh, I tell you, our hospital is one of the most marvelous arms of evangelism. You know, Mother Teresa was a lovely little lady. Brought all her patients to our hospital, the children. I was in the hospital one day before she took very ill. In fact, our doctors treated her till she died. And she said these words to me I'll never forget. She said, you know, it's not how much you do, but how much love you put in the doing that counts. I said, Mother, if we don't put Jesus' love in our doing, will all our work be in vain? She said, yes, that's what I mean. Then she took my hand in her 87-year-old hand, and she said, when you give to the poor, you do it unto Christ. Dear ones, when you give that offering, you will never know the one you helped. I meet sponsors in my services Sunday after Sunday. They tell me about the child they sponsored. You had Solomon Wong here to preach, sponsored child. I tell you the thousands that have been helped because of education and medical treatment. Surely, when Jesus walked this earth, he had compassion amongst the sick and the poor. You know, we live in a, a changing world, a me, myself, and I world. Invent 
husbands are here today and gone tomorrow. But you know something, when you invest in the kingdom of God, it pays the best dividends. I told you we had seven states in Northeast India. I went up there for a pastor's conference. General superintendent, marvelous young man, graduate from our Bible school. Auntie, I'm going to take you somewhere tomorrow you've never been before. Took me up to the largest cemetery in the eastern world above the capital city of Kohima in Nagaland. Oh, I never saw so many graves. When the um, Japanese were coming over from Burma, World War II, the largest battle was fought in that area. But you know, as I walked in the cemetery, there was a big arch. And on that arch were written these words, go home and tell them. We gave our today for their tomorrow. I stood below the arch. I said, God, over 50 years, going into 60 years, we have given thousands, not only a today, but a tomorrow. Then I thought of a grave in Calcutta. Mark died so suddenly. I stood beside that grave. Why? Why, God? Mark had so many vision, what he wanted to do in the 11 states. Here I am. Absolutely inadequate as far as I was concerned. I said, God, I can't take over this massive work. You know, you know all about me. Have you ever argued with God? Yes, I did that day. But you know, I'll always be thankful. Our worship team started to sing, love so amazing, so divine, demands. My life, my soul, my all, doesn't ask, demands. I said, God, if you help me, I'll stay. And as I told you, the work has tremendously grown. I only wish Mark had lived to see his vision fulfilled. Prayers and vision. But as I mentioned, we live in a changing world. Investments. You know, on the back table, I have sponsorships. I told you, pastors, doctors teachers. All these villages around, our own, our own children raised in our schools. But we couldn't have done it unless somebody in this land, in this country, in this church, sponsored a child. Nancy has those sponsorships on the back table. You know, I think it's nice if you have a child to have them have a pen pal overseas, to know that they have a child that they are educating overseas. For a little over a dollar, you can sponsor a child. And when I see the sponsored children, when I see them now, when Mark and I had to do everything ourselves, now it's like your children, when they grow up, you're proud of them. I was talking to Pastor Jim and, and Carrie about their two daughters. Marvelous 
how their sons-in-law are now so active in God's work. And that's how I feel about our children. I've got a big family, you know. Thousands of children. Investment in lives. Let me tell you something. I sat on the platform in the church in Calcutta. Our senior pastor was one of the speakers at the World Pentecostal Convention in Singapore, was gone that Sunday. Our associate pastor was preaching. When he got to the pulp and opened his Bible, I didn't see associate pastor. I saw a boy, 12 years of age. Mother and father both died with TB, brought his little brother, two sisters. They were brought to me, didn't have money to bury their parents. Patrick looked up in my face and he said, I'm an orphan, I haven't got anybody now. I said, no, you don't, Patrick. He put the boys in our boys' home, looked after the girls. And today, to see Patrick walk to the pulpit and preach such a wonderful message. You know, that's what it's all about. I wish I knew his sponsor. I wish I could contact his sponsor and tell him. His brother, they were raised in our boys' home, and now his brother is in charge of our boys' home. I traveled so much, I had something wrong with my ear. Went to the hospital and said to a nurse, I need to see an ENT specialist. Oh, yes, she said, we've got a good one, a new doctor. Next day, she took me to our OPD department. Knocked on the door, Dr. Bhattacharya, I want you to meet the president of our mission. I'll never forget that day. He got up from his chair with tears in his eyes. And he said, Auntie, I don't have to meet you. I met you when I was seven years of age. My father brought my brother five and me to you, rags, holes in our pants. No shoes. The poor called us poor. And I tried to remember. He said, don't you remember, Auntie? I was the president of the junior college. Then <clears throat> I said, are you Subash? He said, yes, I am. I said, Subash, tell me. Well, he said, Auntie, I got a scholarship to medical school, and I prayed. God help me to pass these subjects. I want to go back to that hospital and treat the poor. I said, Subash, they're lined up in front of you. Children lined up. Every time do you treat a child, do you think of yourself every day, Auntie? Every day. That's what it's all about. Investment in lives. Investment in lives. You know, I often wondered what the scripture meant, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Till I read the revised version. Though 
those that are inconspicuous here shall be heroes there. I said, thank you, God. Those are my donors. Those are my churches. Those are my pastors. You never know who gives in your offerings, but it's registered in heaven. It's registered in heaven. You know, doing does not count unless love motivates it. And loving does not count unless doing demonstrates it. You know why I'm so eager for people to give? Because money is the currency of men, but faith is the currency of God. And as you invest in God's kingdom, he will bless you. It's been such a joy to be with you this morning. Thank you for your love and interest in Calcutta. I told Pastor Jim I wish he would come again to Calcutta and see the results of your church's wonderful investment in our ministries, Calcutta Ministries. And I go back in November, I'm always thrilled See more children, more clinics, reaching out to the 11 states now under the umbrella of our Calcutta Ministries. God bless you and thank you. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.